ministry for the edifying of the body of Christ till we all come to the unity of faith. Say unity of faith. That means we all are supposed to have a, a, a gathered understanding of kingdom purpose. We should not be scattered all over the place with, well, I believe this and I don't believe that and I believe this. You know, it's okay to have some v different views on how the, uh, I'd say the third and fourth level type of doctrines, but we've got to be together on the essential doctrines. The virgin birth, the blood of Christ, salvation, all these things through Christ Jesus, those are, they are absolutes that cannot be, that cannot be questioned. So we've got to all be in one, in one accord, one purpose, one understanding, because as this, as Ephesians as it tells you, because there's one God, there's one spirit, I mean, it goes all through it. And there are various ways the gifts are used, but there is one purpose and one God behind those purposes, and we must join into his purpose, all right? Till we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God. Boy, that's a, that's a whole nother, that's a good, the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God will keep you from a plethora of problems. If you understand who he is and what he's done for you, it will keep you from a world of hurt as you walk through life, but we aren't going there today. To a perfect man, to the measure and stature of the fullness of Christ. A complete man, that to a perfect man means complete, okay? That we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried with every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men and the cunning craftiness of deceitful plotting, but speaking the truth in love, that you may grow up in all things unto him who is the head, Christ from whom the whole body, that's you, and that's the church universal, the body, joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Do you understand when I say that what that means? It means that, that the body is not completely functional until all the parts are in place. We have a fractured church in the earth. Think about it. We can't even get together with the same church that's three miles up the road. We can't even, you know, and not we, I don't say that, but I mean churches. Churches do not, they do not want to come together. They want to be their own entity. That's against everything that Scripture teaches. Because it comes down to the fact that I want, I want what I want, and I want it to be how I think it should be. But how about if we just line up and see what Christ wants, for his body, being that he's the head, and then just come into alignment with him. Do what he says. We don't want to have all this fracture. But that's a long road to hoe. But you know what? By his presence and by his help, we can get there. We can see this thing come together. From whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies, you're a joint. Okay? You're a joint. So you have something to supply according to the effective working by which every part does its share, causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. So recognize this morning as we bounce through these things, you are essential. Every one of you, and I don't care what your age is, you are essential. You're a part of the body of Christ. Without you, the body does not function at its fullest level. I'll just say it like this. I'm, I'm as guilty as anyone. 
we have a wrecked world that we live in. It's wrecked. It is an absolute mess. We have something to offer to that, 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 that world out there. But when they see us just as fractured as they are, they don't put any, they don't put any hope in, in, Chris, in Christianity, in Christ. And the sad thing is they look at him and blame him for it, and it's nothing. He's already supplied everything he could possibly need to be whole and complete. But his body, his body must be in order so that it can fulfill and do the purpose of, of God set in the earth. That's what we have to do. It's not, a, it's, not a, it's not a task that should be burdensome to where you just wake up in the morning, oh, i gotta, I got to be a Christian. It's not that. He's already done the work. What we should wake up is, thank you, Lord, that you've already supplied everything that is everything I could possibly need. And I can walk out of this house this morning into my work, into my plate, whatever I do, I can walk into it knowing, <laughs> knowing that where I plant my feet and the words out of my mouth can make a difference and a change in this world. I'm a part of a big body. I'm a part of, with him the head, and I'm part of the body. Those words knitly joined together, if you look them up and read them and study them, they mean crammed together. That means tight, crammed together. All the pieces of the body are supposed to be connected, jointly fit, working together, functioning. That's why my arm doesn't lay over here on the ground and I walk and it follows me. It's joined to me for a purpose so that it can be functional. If it's disconnected from me, there's no function in that arm. While I'm over here doing something, the arm's laying over there. That we must be knit together, fit together, crammed together, so that every part of this body functions like a body's supposed to function. All right, so let's start. We'll, we won't be too long here. We just, just got to hit these seven points. I'm going to refer to shareholders. That's just us. That's who we are. We're all shareholders in a vision. Apostle has, the Lord has given him a vision, and he is the overseer of the house, and he casts his vision, and those who recognize the vision and want to be a part of that vision and find the value in that vision then become shareholders in that vision. And then we march forward as an army, fulfilling the vision. As, as we're able, because we're a body who is fit together and able to do the job. Our desire at CityGate, as leaders, is to that the shareholders would experience life-giving relationship with Jesus. That's number one. That's what we desire. That's what I believe you, as a shareholder, will, should desire. But that's our desire, that if you are part of this core, of this house, our desire is that, and your desire should be for others, is that you come into a full understanding and a life-giving relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't know if I have to say it this morning. I don't think I do. But if there is one in here who has, doesn't understand what I'm talking about there, then I will tell you this very easily and very no big deal to it. It's a huge deal, but no big deal to do it. If you've never done that, if you've never asked him to become your savior, I can simply tell you it's this easy. 
Lord Jesus, I have no earthly understanding of what I'm doing in this earth. And without you, I can't function properly. I ask you to take me, take the sins away from me, take all the loss, all those things I've brought in my life. I give them to you and I receive the fullness of your, the work of your blood and the redeeming work of your blood. I receive you to myself. If you have never done that and you just did that, then as simple as it is, you are now a follower of Jesus Christ. You are now in his, you stepped in by faith and now you're going to let him pick you up and carry you. Because that's what he does for all of us who are believers. He takes you and he walks with you and he talks with you along life's narrow way. He does it. You're his now. If you're his, then the next thing we'd want, number two, would be that we want shareholders to experience personal growth, which in turn touches lives around you. Now, a few things about personal growth. Personal growth is just what it says. We want you to grow in the, in the fullness of God, in the fullness of the knowledge and knowing of Jesus Christ, of Holy Spirit. We want to try to give you every opportunity to know him in fullness. But personal growth is personal growth. We cannot make you grow. City Grade cannot make you grow. You have got to want to grow. You have got to desire after the, the good, nurturing food that Christ provides. That's up to you. I can't provide that for you. I can offer, we can provide an atmosphere here. We can provide amazing worship. We can provide good teaching. We can provide all kinds of things, but I cannot make you learn. I can lead a horse to water, but I can't make him drink. We are not responsible for your personal growth. No church is. Does that lay weird? But we are not responsible for your personal growth. We are responsible to give you opportunity to find personal growth. We will do that by providing everything that we can provide. But the want to has to be in you. It is our desire that you experience personal growth. It is prerequisite. It has to be. You must grow. Living things grow. Amen? Living things grow. So a year from now, if you're a living entity in Christ, you've come alive in Christ, you should be further down the road to knowing him better. You shouldn't be the same or worse than you were today. It doesn't mean it gets easier. It doesn't mean every test step you take is a, a, a happy, happy step. Although I will say this too. I believe that we can live a happy and joyful life in Christ. We don't like trouble. No one does. I mean, if you like trouble, we need to talk. Because I think there's something severely wrong <laughs> in the way you're wired. <laughs> if you like struggle, mm, I don't. But Jesus, <laughs> Jesus took the struggle. He took that, that brunt, that force hit. He took it. We feel residue. The enemy still wants to try to hurt us. And we feel residue sometimes from his anger and his frustration that he lost 
the victory is ours. And we can walk with joy. We can be joyful people. In fact, if you're named among those who are named as Christians and followers of Jesus, part of your example in the earth is that you smile in the face of it. In the face of it. Let the world know that you, you've got something better than the world. You're part of something bigger. But it's our desire at CityGate, and hopefully it will become your desire to see all those around you experience personal growth. Amen? Amen. Number three, it is our desire that the shareholders would find value in themselves, which will enable you to value others. If Jesus valued you enough to die for you, <laughs> then surely, if you have received of his graces, then you can find the value in that. What did Jesus say in Matthew about his, and other places? He said, if, if I care enough about the, the birds that I take care of them, aren't you valued much more than that? Now, I want you to think about something that we just blow off as part of the things we learn in if you were Christian when you were young, or if at least you were in church, and you're always taught about how he knows how many hairs are on your head. Now think about that. How many hairs do you think are on your head, Steve? Huh, Steve? How many hairs do you think you have on your head? A million? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how many hairs you have made, but he says he knows them. They're numbered. <laughs> He's not a liar. So if he says that, that's what he means, and that really tells me that he values something in me a lot greater than I usually value myself. Because that's the biggest problem with us most of the time is we don't value ourselves. That's why the way I put that is it is our desire and eventually, hopefully, the core's desire that you can see your value. Let me... Let me That's right. That's why we have the programs in place that we do here, the journey and, and the uh, restoration. restoration ministry. Yes, that's why we have those things in place here is because somewhere along the line, we, the disconnect that comes through life's crap, I'll just put it that way, that disconnect that causes us dysfunction, that's what these programs we have in place is so you can be reconnected to who God made you to be. So you can find the value in yourself. Because somebody else tried to name you. And they told you you didn't have value. Maybe they didn't say it outright. But because of what the, how they treated you. And the words they spoke over you. You felt that you had no value. We want you to find the value in yourself. I looked up the word value. And it just it simply says this. The importance or worth or usefulness of someone. You're useful. I thought that was a very incredible word, the way they put it, usefulness. Because we do find ourselves a lot of times that I'm, I'm not worth anything. I don't have anything to offer. Yes, you do. You just may have to work to find it. Mainly that work is going to be that you go before Holy Spirit and you just sit before him and ask him, 
What, are, what have you made me to be? Who have you made me to be? Who am I in you? And in your personal study, in your personal growth, you're going to begin to find out that you are valuable. And you're going to find out that you do have a name in him. And you can function. You can move forward and not be stuck believing that you don't have any value. I would say when you find out who you are, that 80% of what you do, that's just my statistics. <laughs> These aren't some I found somewhere. I just believe that 80% of what you'll become is going to be used outside these walls. This is a place that we come together to be encouraged, to worship. It's not a place, this shouldn't, hear me when I say this, because I know there's been a lot of, a lot of teachings that go out for churches and stuff, and they talk about, well, they're a hospital for saints and a hospital for sinners. I don't think that's what the church is supposed to be. We are to come here together as a group of, well, we're under the great physician. But we should be gaining the ground in us that we go outside these walls. We come in here and get stirred up and get, get encouraged. And you walk out of here and do 80% of the work outside in the world. That's what, that's what we believe should happen. All of what goes on should not be inside this house. This is simply a learning place. This is a training center. This is a ground. This is where we gain our stuff. We get hope. We get full. And then we run out and we do what we are. We become who we are. All right? All right. That book that we have encouraged and we kind of fell off the pace with it, and I don't know what, what happened, but I'm, I'm hoping that everybody's still re reading through the circle maker or whatever that, which one was it called? The, draw the circle. I'm sorry. The reason for that and why we wanted to get that into your hands was because of the, 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 how many testimonies are in that book and how he explains so many times of how to get how to center yourself and begin to focus on a prayer over a situation and be relentless with it. Yeah. Hear God, start interceding over it, and wait for the answer. And act on that. Yeah, when you hear, act on it. That's part of this whole function of the body. It's part of the function of the value that you find because you know if God says something about an individual and you go to them and you function with what God said you're showing the value to them that he has to them and somehow the way he works it he uses what he is and as you said it to that person you found value in them and then you find value in yourself because you were just used by God and it feels good to be used by God his purposes are amazing if we just do what he says, if we just follow him out. Number four, we desire, it is our desire, that the shareholders will and then become also finding that to find the value of teamwork and partnership. This society is a society of independence. Which is, again, 
to, to be independent in the sense where I don't have my hand out waiting for somebody to fill my pockets? Okay, I understand what I mean here. Teamwork and to function with a team brings a synergy that cannot be found when you're by yourself. I mean, just a simple silliness as guys, I know that many of you have tried to pick up, maybe not, but I'm going to say a 20, say a 2 by 12 or a 2 by 10 that's 20 foot long, and you try to pick it up and put it up above your head. I'll tell you what, two people is a whole lot easier than one. And three people really makes it easy, and four will immediately, you won't hardly feel the weight of it at all. But there's a synergy in that. That's how we're to function. This isn't a loner situation. This isn't you by yourself out there going around taking care of business. You will get knocked to pieces trying to be a loner. You need each other. That's what's called the body. That's why we are many. That's why we're fitly, we're joint fitly together. We're, we're, we're a part of each other. And when we're close, it's a whole lot easier to get something accomplished than it is when I don't even know your name. <laughs> and I apologize. I'm bad at names. After about the fourth or fifth time, I remember your name usually. But at first, I hear it, and I think I'm going to remember it. And two minutes later, I look back, and hmm, I forgot it. I can't I don't know what that is about me, but I apologize ahead of time. But we need to know each other. We're a body here. If we're going to function as a team and partnership, and we're going to pray together over things, we're going to believe for each other for things, I need to at least know your name. I mean, shouldn't we do that? Shouldn't we make an effort to know each other? I would think so. I think that's essential. In this day and age, I'll tell you the truth, we have to, we have to make that happen. I know that I've probably got at least four to five people in here that I, I have every intention of getting with you just to sit down for a meal, and it hadn't happened. I apologize. Life's busy, but that's not an excuse. I have to make time. I've got to do it. We've been meaning to sit down for a month and a half. Hadn't happened. And I don't blame you. I blame me. I haven't made the time for it. I've got to start making time. We all have to start making time in this busy world to take care and become jointly fit together. You guys, same thing. You guys, same thing. I just haven't. Steve, I've talked to you for two years. We've been trying to get together for breakfast or something and just don't do it. I apologize because I should be making the effort. You come home from 12 hours of work, you don't feel like getting out. You're just like, oh, not tonight. I'll do it tomorrow. <laughs> I'll call them next week. You know, it just happens. <laughs> Acts 2.44 said that they came together and they had all things in common. Partnership. Teamwork. Apostle had some things written down in the... Uh, actually, I want, to, I want to talk to Don and see if we can get... He sent me a... An email or a text of, and he added a piece in it that I. It's for, oh, it's it's for shareholders, and I want her to to type that out or or at least get it copied out because I think everyone needs to see it. Some good stuff in it. 
It's some good stuff. I need to talk to her about getting that out to you. But he had written down in there, he had said one of the things in, in his teachings on this stuff is one of the things that Mother Teresa had said, that you can do what I cannot do, and I can do what you can't do, but together we can do great things. That's why we need each other, because you don't have all of it, and you don't have all of it, and you don't have all of it. But together, we're a body, and we can make it happen. But at CityGate, one of our core values for the core is that we understand that, the synergy of teamwork and partnership with each other. We, you know, a lot of times we do it in prayer when somebody has a, uh, something happens, tragic something happens, and then we'll all get into prayer for each other. But we need to be doing that on an everyday basis, just, just lifting each other up, just caring about each other, speak to each other, encourage each other. It's called love, and that's who he is, and that's what he's about. The one I like, I've told you in different times here, I, is by the uh, man named Gene Krantz. But he said, when we come together, we are greater than the sum of our parts. I love that. I love that because we all got parts. But when we come together, we're greater than the sum of our parts. We can function. We can make it work. Number five. And this is where my writing got a little smaller and a little smaller because I kept trying to cram things in. So if I'm sitting up here doing this, hang in there with me. <laughs> Number five, we would want, we, our desire is that the shareholders will become empowered to become great leaders. Proverbs 29.3 says, when good people lead the people, they're happy. When bad leaders lead the people, they groan. That's Proverbs 29.3. Proverbs 29.3. A leader is one who holds a, a dominant or superior position in a field in your metron. You hold leadership is that you are holding a superior or dominant position and you're able to exercise a high degree of influence all right now that is a that's the world's that's the world's view of leadership there's and it's true a spiritual leader there's another another aspect to it a spiritual leader knows his leadership comes by servanthood our example is the greatest servant He's our Lord. He's our Savior. He's our Redeemer. His heart was to serve mankind at the deepest levels in any way he could. <laughs> this gets a little dicey and sketchy in this area because how do we serve? I mean, if we, how can we become leaders if we don't? have a servant's mindset. You'll find a lot of times people want to uh, move to a level of a leader. They want to have influence, and that's what we want. We want to grow people to where they can influence their metron. When they're outside these walls especially, we want you to be an example of leadership. So that people have something to follow that's strong and stable and established. 
They see it in you. They desire that. They want to ask. How is it that you come to that, Anthony? How is it that you, you're just, you just seem like nothing bothers you? You have a smile on your face. All that. What is it about that? So you can have a good word to come back to them and say, it's because of the one who redeemed me. He has set me on a path that I have, I have, I have joy. I have hope. I have a confident expectation of the future. You have a good word coming back. That's why we want to see people come into full understanding of leadership. That doesn't always that you're a, you may not be in the pulpit up here, you may not, but you know what I mean. That's not, a leader is not always that. A leader is one who is, has influence in his metron, in his circle of influence. I don't care if that, in, that circle is your family. You need to be a leader in your family. Your family needs to be able to look at you and see that you have an influence that comes from something greater than himself because he serves his family. Everyone who is already at that point and does that knows what I'm talking about. It's not necessarily easy because servanthood is identified with sacrifice. That's why people don't like to do it. I don't know if I'm going to step on any toes or not, but you know, if you want to practice leadership, when the pot locks over, you shouldn't be the first one out of the door. You shouldn't leave all the stuff here for somebody else to do. That's not servanthood. <laughs> Talk to me later if you don't like that. Hmm? Yeah, I'm still smiling. Most of you are smiling. But there's truth to that. There's truth to that. Because there are some who just don't want to do that. That's beneath them. I'm sorry. Your sin was way beneath the Lord. But he didn't mind serving you. <laughs> so the next time we have an eat... <laughs> We're going to have 75 people be waiting behind. Uh, good problem to have. But you understand what I mean. We want you to become a model of Christian ethics. That you are a leader in your metron. And wherever God takes it, God promotes. So we don't worry about that. We don't worry about trying to work our way up a ladder. Kingdom isn't about working your way up a ladder. Kingdom is about serving and letting God promote because he knows your heart. He knows where he wants you fit. He knows where he wants you to be put. He knows where he can use you to your greatest ability because he made you. Leaders do not develop automatically. You understand that? Leaders do not automatically just, or people don't automatically become leaders. That's developed. Now this is, I didn't have time to look up all these verses and put markers and all that, so if I'm taking too long to find a verse or two, just hold on, bear with me. Philippians 2.3 says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in loneliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. That's servanthood. You know, a way you can serve and train yourself to serve 
is when you're in the bathroom and you walk out the door and there's three pieces of tissue laying on the by the where somebody just didn't care if they hit the can or not, stop and pick them up. That's serving. Esteeming yourself, you know, others greater than yourself. It's not beneath you to pick up a piece of toilet paper or pick up a piece of hand towel. Well, it's wet. I don't want to touch it. Please, go get another napkin and pick it up if that bothers you. Go wash your hands again. You know, I mean, some of this stuff is so common sense, spiritual common sense, but it's how you learn. It's how you train yourself to overcome the fact that you feel superior to people. If you feel superior to people, start serving them, and it'll break that up off of you. If you don't like serving people, you always look back at Jesus. Jesus, why did you serve people? Because I loved them. That's why you need to serve. To show your love. To show you're not better than your teacher. <laughs> Jesus said, okay, enough of that. You're beat me up. Anyway. Let me get back here to Matthew. There's another one I want you to see, another scripture. It's in Matthew 20. And then we're going to be heading down the finish line. Okay, here we go. Matthew 20, 25. And when the, let's see, but Jesus called them to himself and said, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. Hmm. But whosoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. You see, when you become one of his and a follower of his, you give your life to him. Therefore, your life is no longer your own. So it should make it easy to go ahead and serve because your life's not your own anyway. Be careful of selfish ambition. Be careful of conceit because they'll lead you down a road that's not a good end. Amen? Okay. Number six. It is our desire that shareholders will learn to steward something greater than themselves. Stewardship is the responsibility of overseeing and protecting and the protection of something considered worth caring for. Yes, this is bigger than uh, CityGate, but for right now, let's just talk about CityGate. As a core part of this body, I feel great responsibility of the stewardship that I carry. This isn't my house. I didn't labor over this to plant this house. I've been in this place a long time, but it's not my house. I steward this for one who God put in place over this house. So I'm a steward here. But we're all stewards. We're all stewards. So for you and I to be a core 
member, our core shareholder, and have core values, one of those values is that you recognize that you're stewarding something greater than yourself. That is a sobering thought. I, it is a privilege. I, I tell you this honestly. I sense it every time I stand up here. This is a privilege that Apostle Clay opens his pulpit and says, yes, you can speak in this pulpit because it says he trusts me. That's huge. That says he values me. That's huge. Stewardship's fearful sometimes. It's kind of like, kind of like you know, when the word says that not all should be teachers because you're going to be, you'll be judged at a different level for what you teach. That's sometimes that's, you know, a little bit, ee, you know. It's kind of like this. This is sometimes it's a, it's a very heavy responsibility to steward something for someone else. Jesus gave the example about the talents that were given out. <laughs> and some of them did what they were supposed to with the talents. One of them just buried it. He came back. These were all that he, these are all that the master had stewards under him. And the one just squandered what was given to him as a steward. And it says that he would be just torn up and thrown out as one of the unfaithful. Stewardship is important. It's, it's very important. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Let me see everything I need to say about that. Yes. Stewards should value the people and who they are. Because, see, just stewarding this, this, this morning, apostle's not here. So I'm stewarding this this morning. You know, he tells me, when I'm not there, you walk the service out. He puts, he entrusts that to me. That's a great privilege. But it's also the responsibility that I have to see that none are hurt under my watch, that all are cared for, that disruptions don't happen to cause hurt to the body. All those things are a heavy responsibility to sit on, but it's a privilege. It's a privilege. And we, we as the core here and as apostle, we want to see that you understand stewardship because you are all stewards of something in your life. It may be that you will be stewarding things here, but I'm just talking about in general. We all have responsibility to steward somebody else's stuff as though it's our own. You take care of it like it's your own. But one of the wisest things that I, and you know, yet I understand it, so I'll say it this way. I had an apostle tell me one time, it wasn't Apostle Clay, it was another apostle, and it was through a, going through a church upheaval. And his, because I was going to have to pastor it for a, spirit, a series of time until another pastor came in. And he told me, and it was some wise words, he said, be careful you don't take ownership of it. Now, that sounded like, you know, maybe, maybe some would hear that as, well, I don't value enough, you don't, I don't value you enough to be able to handle this, so don't, don't get too high and mighty. It's not what he meant. 
He meant this house is another's, and you're going to be stewarding it. Be careful you don't take ownership to the point where when, when another steps in, that you don't have an issue and an attitude that, well, I spent eight months here doing this. Why are they, you know, those are bad attitudes. Those are things that aren't supposed to be said among us. But that's part of stewardship, learning who you are, what's been given to you, what the stewardship levels are, what they're about. And I was going to say, it's a privilege to me. It's all about our attitudes. Okay, and I think 1 Peter 4.10, I wanted to read. Let me look it up quick. Okay, come on. There we go. 1 Peter 4.10. As each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. The gifts you've been giving or been given by the by God himself, <laughs> they're not your gifts. You possess them, but he gave them to you. And you're to steward those gifts. Everything we've been talking about stewardship, it goes right for that too. Don't squander the gifts you've been given. Don't squander the privilege you've been given. He's given you gifts that are real. <laughs> they do the work. They function. Be careful how you steward them. You've been given great responsibility. But it's also great privilege. All right? All right, let's move to the, to the last one. We desire at CityGate to have all shareholders recognize and also become part of Glorifying God through matured lives. The whole desire that we have at CityGate is to grow you up, is to offer an atmosphere where you can learn, atmosphere where you can function, atmosphere where you can gain strength so you can go out and know that we're behind you. That's why we commission people and sometimes some of you may look at something and say, what are you, why are you commissioning them? All they're doing is going over here to somewhere and, and give a testimony. No, we're coming into agreement with them that what they're carrying with them is going to make an effect somewhere else. That's why we do it. We come into agreement. It's one of the things we, you know, in function around here, there's a lot of, there's so much gifting in this house. There's gifting in every house, to tell the truth. But in this house, we have some amazing gifting. So much gifting, we don't, have, we don't have place for everybody to function in their gifting per se. That's why I said earlier, most of our gifting is going to be seen outside these walls. Your gifts are to be manifest outside these walls. You want to, you want to teach? Then come to the leadership and say, I'd like, to, I'd like to teach in my home. Will you commission me to do so? We will back up. You know, all this comes out of relationship. That's even an area we even talked about, and we're not going to today. Out of relationship, we would step with you and say, yes, we come into agreement with you. Start a fellowship in your home. Start a, start a, a Bible study in your home. Do a book study if you want to. 
and we will be with you. We'll be behind you. We probably will even come and sit in some of them. We may not be there every week, but one of the leaders will probably show up and be there with you because it's our job to steward what our people are doing. But if you're full up in gifting and you can't get it out like teaching is one of them and you just don't have a place to give it out, yes, you do. Yes, you do. You have your home. You have a coffee shop. You want to gather some people together and you want to go over the word and break the word? Out of relationship with you, we'll come into agreement with you and we'll support you. So... I'm just, that's just some extra stuff thrown in. If we're going to glorify him through matured lives, we must love. <laughs> there's, there's no other way about it. It always comes back to love every time. Let me go to John 15. Glorifying God is going to come through all that we've talked about today, learning the values of this house, understanding the values of the house. And when you do that, that's how you glorify God is by stepping out in those things. Learn the values and then step out and work in them. Walk in them. Become them. Make them who you are. Be a good steward. Be a leader. Know who Christ is in your life. Know how to function together. All these are values. They're core values. And if you'll step in them and walk in them in your everyday life, you'll see that you're functioning. You'll find that you're functioning in the kingdom. Now, I think you've heard apostles say it many times, and I wrote it down because I really like that statement. You can teach what you know but you reproduce what you are. You get that? You can teach what you know, but you reproduce what you are. If you become these core values, if they, if they become part of your everyday walk, what you are will speak louder than what you teach. I assure you. Because for me to stand up here and teach and, and maybe lay out some of the best things and I don't have a working, functioning relationship with my wife and family, I might as well sit down. It's about being mature. It's about being complete. I really don't. I mean, that's one of those areas I don't like to, I don't like to meddle too much because I've had to deal with it in my life. I've had to sit with her and talk to her about things that I have failed her in. Not for a lot of years, so, you know. <laughs> but I know it happens. I know that you can become estranged in a household. You can. And we got to guard against those things because the world would love to see you fail. We don't need to fail. We, we don't have to fail. John 15, verse 16 and 17 says, You did not choose me, Jesus said, but I chose you, and I appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and your fruit should remain, that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he'll give you these things I command to you, that you love one another. 
You see, he has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. All the fullness of the Godhead is in Jesus, bodily. So all of Jesus is in you because he redeemed you and now lives in you. So everything that's about him, you have. He's given it to you. So you can function, you can glorify him because you have the capability of loving. When you love, you glorify him because he is love. 2 Corinthians 1.3 is the last verse, I think. Second Corinthians 1, 3, and 4. Blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. That's the responsibility that we have. He comforts us, we comfort them. Because he has given himself to us, we have to give to others. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's, it's the gospel story. It's the gospel story. I love it. I really love that whole, that whole reciprocating process. I come to him and I give him all that's worthless. And he gives to me all that's righteous. He gives to me all his goodness. And now I have the ability to give it all away to Pam. I can give it to Anthony. I can give it to Lisa. I, it's just such a beautiful thing that he's done. I give up all the junk that I am. He gives me all the righteousness he is. And now I have the ability to give out all that he has. I can give it. It's just there. It's freely there. I didn't buy it. I didn't earn it. So now I have the ability to give. What do you need? I'll give it to you. I'll give you what I have. It's not mine to hold. That's how we glorify him. We show his best by being fully alive in him. Man's at his best when he's fully alive. <laughs> he's only fully alive in Christ. A couple questions, and that's how we're going to end. And let you think and let you comprehend. It'd be neat to maybe come back together sometime and just let you talk about what you see, out, what your answers are to these questions. The first one is, to comprehend for what purpose we exist as an assembly from God's point of view. Why do we exist as a body from God's point of view? Think on that one a while. If you need to write it down, write it down and think on it this week. That's a good question. Comprehend for what purpose we exist as an assembly from God's point of view. What are we here for? What are we here on Get Well for? And the second one, what does God want us to accomplish as a body? We know... We know, we don't have to question on some of those things. We know that Apostle has a mandate for the nations. It's been on him for 20-some years. He's been all over the world. And it's for this nation now 
because he's in alignment with Dutch sheets. So we know the bigger, the greater vision of this house is to see that this country finds its way back to the Lord and to, to the Christian values it was founded on. So we know that's, that's, that's a high priority. But that's not the only priority that he has for this house because we also function as a local body. So that's a good question. Those are two good questions. Try to figure it out <laughs> this week. Ask yourself those questions and find some answers. But I will say to you, we value you. We value you here. You are, the, you are the core of this house. You and many others that aren't here, you're the core of this house. And for you to understand the values that we value is going to cause us to get tighter, knit together, as we start to function better together because we know what's expected of us. It's one of the things the Apostle always talks about when he does these, when he teaches these kind of things. He always, he always says, you know, if I want to honor someone, then I must, I must learn to know what they value, and then I value what they value. And by doing that, I honor them. And it's vice versa. You find out what, 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 are, what are calls, what are, what are the calls for apostle? What are the things on his life? Well, learn to value what they are and then offer what you have to, make, to cause that to become more value. If it's prayer, then commit to pray for him. You know? I don't know what percentage we'd have. I'm done. I don't know what percentage we'd have if we ask it, but, you know, how many commit to pray for him, him and Susan and their work? Yeah, I don't know. I don't want to see your hands, but I'm just saying. Think about it. You know, you might be thinking, well, other people do that. What if they're not? <laughs> Make it your priority to lift up this house, to lift up apostle, to lift up the elders. We need, we need prayer, too. The leaders in this house, those who are, are taking care of, of children's ministry and the music ministry and the media ministry and, 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 and the food and the people that take care of those issues when we have all the leaders in this house. Pray for them. They need it. We all need it. But it's how you become part of this functioning body is to find the values that are in this house and what are what apostle values and what this house values become part of that and recognize it and then support it. That's how it's done. That is a small portion of the core values of this house. That's a very small value. Apostle probably did do it a lot better. But I wanted to just bring that to you because it's been a while since we've even talked about it. We haven't even talked about conduct like like church function, church protocol, church conduct, that's a whole nother time that we can come together and talk about that because it's important that we understand conduct. What is the, what's, the, what's the proper conduct in a service? You know, if I feel like I have something from the Lord, what do I do with it? Do I just go up and grab a mic? No, that's not proper conduct. Pro proper pro protocol and that would be you come to the leaders. You come to apostle, you come to the elders, and you say, I feel like God has said this and this and this. I feel like this is a scripture he, that he just gave me. And then allow, allow 
the leadership to make the choice if it's for now. And don't get your feelings hurt if they say no, not right now. Because it is, the stewardship is in our hands and we're responsible for what's done, what's done in the house. And if we don't feel the timing's correct, we might just say, just hold on to that for a little bit. If it comes, come on up here. But it may not be the timing right at the moment. I know there's been situations that are, and, it, and it's, God is so merciful and so great in what he does, it never really causes any issues. But you'll know when something's like, oh, that was, that was five minutes too late. The moment's already passed. But God's gracious, and he still lets it work through and doesn't cause any issues. But you can feel it. You know that, that you know, that kind of thing. You know it. But it's, it, it's, that's just proper conduct, and I don't want to get into that at all today. But it is. There are things like that that are conduct, and we need to know as a body how to function in that. You know, so that we don't cause others discomfort and frustration. Yeah, just know the proper conduct, proper protocol, how we conduct a service. I mean, we're pretty, we're pretty wide open free in this house to let you express yourself. But there is protocol, and there may be some times where it just doesn't fit at that moment. It may be that you have a word for you. It's not for the house, but you're so excited that you got a word that you want to share it. <laughs> But if you lay it in front of one of the elders and they, they hear it, they may say, I think that's for you. Go and pray about that some more. And that shouldn't hurt your feelings. Recognize that the authority in the house is there to protect you. It's not there to hurt you. That's a huge statement. That's what authority is for. It's not to hurt you. See, society, we look at authority as something evil and mean. And they're coming against me. Authority in this kingdom is about protecting you. It's about keeping you from getting hurt and keeping the house from getting hurt. Just a few little items there. That's the kind of stuff we can talk about another time. But I hope you get something through this and from this. This is just our, that's our desire here at this house. It's our heart. We want to see you complete, to be made a perfect man. That's what we're after. So that when you walk out of here, you're a ball of fire kicking hell down and grabbing them by the neck and loving them and kissing them in right on into the kingdom. <laughs> All right. Yes, go ahead. Come on. I would just say behalf on Dan and I and the rest of the leadership, I just want to say thank you. Well done. Well done. I mean, I'm so proud of our body, the people that we serve with. I brag on you guys all the time. You guys are, are mature, you love God, you love people, you show restraint when it's needed. Um, it's just a pleasure to serve with you, and Dan and I just thank you. And I, I think I speak on behalf of all the leadership, I mean, because we were talking about this lesson and that kind of stuff, and I'm like, you know, it's hard to distinguish leaders and not leaders, because everybody in our house is a leader, I mean, I mean, you all have qualities of leadership. I mean, we, we really have a good problem here is that we have so many leaders and so many strong people that influence other people that, um, you know what I mean? There's, 
it's just a waste to practice it on each other. <laughs> you know, we have to get it out. And so what he was talking about in, in the whole scheme of things is what I kept thinking is, is that in your own environment, not just in the church, but also wherever you go throughout the rest of the week, is that we operate in such a spirit of excellence, in such a spirit of integrity, that we stand out and we really are lights in the world. And, uh, and I just see it as a great, great privilege and an honor for me personally to serve with you guys, every one of you. Um, you're, you're just awesome. Thanks. And in the same vein as we close, I just thank Apostle for the years that he, is, he and Susan have endured through some things that would normally kill somebody. And they've endured through some hell. <laughs> and I appreciate and thank them for their established stability. That through it all, they just keep standing. They just keep standing. And we have what we have here. And I tell people all the time, guard this. Guard this. This is not, you don't find this, you don't find this everywhere. Guard it. You guard it by, with integrity. You guard it by being honest and full of truth. Guard it. It's precious. God has given us a great gift, an apostle in this house. So, yeah, sad. I'm sorry. Yeah, we need, we're going to get out of here. But I tell you what, uh, let's put a, we're going to put this basket up here. For anyone who's going to give to, uh, to Apostle and Susan, it goes towards the, the making of this, the cost of making this plaque we're giving them, this big board, and whatever's left over will just be a gift to them for the appreciation of what they are and who they are to this house. So with that, you can come up and do that, and we're going to close. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the desire that you have over us that we can become complete and full over and above everything that we could ask or think you have supplied in our life you have given us it is a privilege to serve you it is a privilege to serve you to be called sons of God it's a privilege we thank you for your your trust and and you trust us with your goods that's amazing to me you trust us with your goods we thank you for them we ask for just an incredible understanding and knowing of how to, how to function in a full, complete, mature manner that your kingdom purposes will be made complete and we'll see amazing things done in your kingdom. For your name's sake, Jesus, amen. You are dismissed. We love you. Go in peace. Take your peace with you and deposit it everywhere. <laughs>